Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, February the 16th of 2021. As always, it is a pleasure for us to come to you. Uh, we pray that you had uh, on this extra long weekend. Yesterday was uh, President's Day. Uh, we pray that you were able to enjoy this time with your family. And we welcome you once again to the study of the word, to this podcast, where uh, we always endeavor uh, to speak what God is saying, what, what is rele- relevant in this hour, but above all, to look at the word of God from a prophetic lens. For as we always tell you what uh, the book of Revelation says in chapter 19, verse 10, that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the test is the spirit of prophecy. Isaiah 46.10 tells us that he declares the end from the beginning. We have been in some um, tremendous places in the world uh, uh, in these last uh, few weeks. And actually joining me today is um, Brother Fernando. Once again, Brother Marty will not, it's not with us here today, but we hope to have him in the next few days or so. But uh, we're excited. And uh, as I was saying, uh, Brother Fernando, we've been in the last few weeks. The Lord has had us in the book of Matthew. And from there, we've launched to different parts of the Bible, speaking on the exodus and the temptations on the fiery trials, on the baptism into fire and, and so many places. I think, I believe last Friday, we were in the book of Colossians chapter one. And uh, God has been taking us to different uh, avenues and places, but speaking the same thing in preparation to what's awaiting, what's coming. Amen. So I'm excited about today, the start of this week for us and and what God is going to have for us this week. So Brother Fernando, I'll give it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Amen. Uh, We're glad to be back for this uh, Tuesday podcast. We had a a lengthy weekend um, and we spent some time with our families yesterday. Um, which is much needed, and at the same time, if 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 we ever, you know, if 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 we do miss a day in, in the podcast, we'll always put some kind of uh, um, notification on our social media page. You can go to uh, our Facebook page, uh, World Harvest Ministries, or you can go to our uh, website, WorldHarvestMinistries.net. There is a Facebook link there that can uh, shoot you straight to our Facebook. Uh, platform uh, or social media platform, Facebook, and, and you'll get more information and so forth and so on. Um, but we're excited to be back and, and ready to go. As Pastor Jeremy said, Brother Marty will not be with us today, but uh, I've been in touch with him, and, and he, he'll be with us soon uh, in the next few days, Lord willing. Uh, and so we've been in, in a journey in the Gospel of Matthew, um, you know, it's so much wealth in in the Gospel of Matthew, and in particular chapter four of Matthew, where Jesus is, is taken and driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where he is tempted of the devil himself. Um, and, and it's such a powerful, powerful uh, account, um, and, and there's sequence of events that are prophetic in nature that literally uh, lead up to this conflict, so to speak. Um, and it seems that uh, this is what the Bible is all about at the end of the day, the, or what the book is trying to tell us, the Word of God, right? The Word of God is, is, is a book of parallels and, and movements and sequences that are revealing information to us that is known by God, in the counsel of God, in His Son, the Holy Spirit, amen? So... It's so powerful as we get into the Word of God. We're going to go there quickly and see what the Lord is telling us. Um, uh, Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. If you can read the first 11 verses, please, Pastor, in Jesus' name. Amen. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only thou shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. And angels ministered unto him. And we read in the book of Hebrews that that was uh, what angels were created for, to minister unto the Lord, but also to minister unto the heirs of this great salvation, his sons and daughters, that is us. Amen. And, and, and the angels were created to worship God, the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 1. But we see that in the temptation of Jesus Christ, Satan wants the creator to worship him. Amen. Powerful stuff there. So we've been, we've been in the, uh, the temptation of Jesus Christ, the three temptations of Jesus Christ for uh, quite a while now, and, and we've been gleaning from it so much prophetic information and revelation that the Lord has given to us. And we've seen how, uh, you know, Scripture speaks to us at many levels. It speaks to us practically. Uh, it speaks to us individually of how we must conduct ourselves, but it also gives us information to end-time events. Uh, and, and, and I think the greatest, really, revelation of all is that it gives us insight, uh, this, this account, this, this interaction between Satan and Jesus Christ and, and Satan tempting Jesus Christ. It gives us insight into this eternal conflict between good and evil. We must understand this conflict between good and evil that originated and predates mankind and the creation of this world as we know it. We have to understand what this conflict is all about so that we can understand the great salvation that Jesus Christ purchased with his own precious blood and what it is that it is accomplishing. What exactly took place? What is being reconciled? In, 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 in this great salvation It's not just the reconciliation of man Back to God where we now have Peace with God that's a part of it But he's also reconciling All of the creation Both seen and not seen Both visible and invisible As we spoke about some podcasts ago That the, the book of Colossians Declares uh, as the, the Apostle Paul uh, writes to us Inspired of the Holy Spirit Into uh, this information um, that, that God wants his children to know. Amen. So we have to understand what the eternal conflict between good and evil is because it is exactly what is taking place right now. And, and I believe we are almost at the end. And what we're seeing taking place around the world, what we saw transpire in our nation and around the world, and is still ongoing, right, uh, was just that. It's the framework for this, conflict between good and evil, right? And it's really the framework of the Antichrist, the manifestation of the, of the man of sin that, that is taking place in this world and that is laying the framework for what the book of Revelation talks about is coming, right? A conflict, right? A war that is taking place in the heavenly is going to find itself here on this great planet, planet Earth. Remember this, Scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This earth belongs to God. But okay. Satan wants the right to this planet. 
but he will not have it. He will not succeed because the word of God tells us that he will be defeated. Amen. So when we read the temptation of Jesus Christ, we're, we're literally reading what all this is all about. It's a conflict between good and evil, right? So when we when we read the the history of Israel in the Old Testament, in particular, the Exodus events, uh, the things that took place in the Book of Exodus, um, it seems that Scripture wants us to 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 study these things. The Apostle Paul said that. Right in First Corinthians chapter ten, and, and again, it's worth repeating and worth saying um, because it is a, a key verses to unlocking prophecy, to unlocking the unfolding eternal plan of God, so that we can understand this wisdom and the knowledge of His will. The Apostle Paul said this in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse eleven. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. The word examples we spoke about is a drama, right? So, again, when, when you read the Old Testament and you, you read about the stories and events, and in particular the Exodus um, uh, event uh, leading all the way to the Promised Land and, and where God's people find rest, it's all speaking prophetically of this eternal conflict, but it's also speaking of things that will take place in the last days, right? We today are waiting for our Exodus just like the people of old in the Old Testament in the days of Moses were waiting for theirs. We have to understand that. And, and, and the life and ministry of Jesus is literally playing out that exodus in the life of Christ, for he is our Passover. He is our exodus. And, and again, uh, and to fully understand that, I, I recommend that you listen to the prior podcast concerning how um, – you know, the, the events from Matthew 1 to chapter 2, chapter 3, all are a type of the Exodus. We see the, the, the spirit of, of Egypt, right, as we spoke about, the spirit of Pharaoh alive and well, and it's flowing through King Herod. And King Herod is, kills every child under two years old, just like Pharaoh of old did uh, when he heard that uh, the birth of a deliverer uh, would take place, right, that would deliver Israel, um, we see that he then killed every child, every 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 uh, male child, so to make sure that that child would not be born. So we see the same thing playing out in Christ's uh, day, right? And, and, and then again, we have uh, so many types of shadows. We go into Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is baptized uh, of John the Baptist in the Jordan River, a type of the crossing of the Red Sea, right? As as the people would cross, the people of Israel would cross over the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, and then they will endure the the forty years of that wilderness experience where uh, they would come under satanic influence and ultimately tempt God, right? Um, and so we see that in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ as well. Only he, he's, he's not like the children of Israel. He is the son of God, and he's walking in full obedience. And when he comes out of the water, being baptized of, of John the Baptist, he is declared, identified as the son of God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he is driven of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to fulfill in himself for us in the future what the children of Israel could not fulfill, right? So, so we see in the Old Testament the Exodus experience, and really in, in, in this account, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, it is a drama playing out, and we are to uh, uh, contrast the two. Israel failed in the wilderness in their temptation. Jesus did not fail. He is the Son of God. And we are to see both examples and learn from it, and, and learn from it because there's great insight for us, right? right? So again, the Apostle Paul said that all these things happen unto them for examples, right? And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And then it says, "Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful." who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, 
but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So the trials of Israel, uh, the temptation of Jesus Christ, really is opening our eyes to the conflict between divine purpose and satanic opposition. That's really what the word of God is all about. The word of God is God, God's divine purpose, but it also teaches us the satanic opposition that comes against the divine purpose, the word of God from being fulfilled. God's purpose will be fulfilled. Amen. Right. So, again, right. when we read about the sufferings of Israel, when we read about their temptation in the wilderness, uh, it should be seen at many levels, again, practically, prophetically, uh, concerning what is coming in our day, right? Uh, but it should be seen in the context of satanic persecution. It really goes back to before the foundation of the world. We see it manifesting itself uh, in the Garden of Eden. We see it manifesting itself through uh, the, the first sons of Adam and Eve, Abel and, and uh, Abel and Cain, Cain and Abel, right? So the, the sufferings of Israel should be seen in that context of satanic persecution, of divine discipline for sin. It's, it, you, we're, we're reading how God is going to deal with sin. God is going to deal with sin by dealing with the one in whom it originated in. That's Satan. We spoke about that in, in the epistles of John, where he said that the devil sinneth from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. But also, also, right, as verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10 says, the Apostle Paul says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that what you are able to bear, Right? What we see in, 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 the, in the sufferings of Israel, the persecution of Israel in the Old Testament, we also see the divine faithfulness of God to his people, his chosen people, those who are his sons and his daughters. But when we read uh, this account, we have to understand that something much greater is being revealed. The plan of God, the eternal unfolding plan of God, we're given insight into it, into what it's all about and what is being played out in time and space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we spoke we, we spoke last, last Friday on, on our podcast uh, out of the book of Hebrews, right? And, and, and we spoke about, you know, this, this conflict and where, where it originated, and why it is that we are going through this uh, spiritual conflict here on earth. And, and as believers, we feel that, that war, right, it, it, that spiritual warfare that's taking place around us. We feel that, 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 that you know, we're, we're constantly under pressure, under attack. For you that, don't, that call yourself a Christian, but you don't feel those attacks, and I would have to question where you're at with God. Because if you're truly walking with the Lord today, if you're truly seeking his face, you are in opposition against the spirit of this world right now. And it is coming against us. Whether we realize it or not, that's ultimately what the devil is doing. He's coming against God's people. That's what the book of Revelation tells us. The last verse of chapter 12 of Revelation tells us that that. Uh, the dragon came after the woman, right? And he made war against the remnant of her seed, against those who have the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That speaks of Jews and Christians. The Jews have the commandments of God. The Christians have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we see that the dragon is making war against God's people. And we see that conflict taking place in Matthew chapter 4, um, and, and we get in it, when we read the book of Hebrews uh, last week, chapter one, we get incredible insight into a conversation that God has um, before His angels. 
right? That's what chapter one is all about. He's declaring to his angels the status of his son, Jesus Christ, and that he is creator or co-creator. He calls him God. He calls his own son God. He's equal to him. And, and we get insight into his conversation with his angelic creation. And he said that, that his son was made better than the angels and that he is the head of all creation. He is the head of all things. And, and, and he says things like this in uh, Hebrews chapter 1. In verse 5, he says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son? This day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He's asking the angelic host, unto which of my angelic creation did I say this to? Obviously, he only said that to his son. But we spoke about how this is what was challenged by the devil himself. He challenged the headship of Christ. He challenged the order of creation. And, and later on in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, the next, or the next verse, the Lord says, he, he puts everything into his proper order. He says his son is preeminent over all creation. He is the creator. He is God. And then he gives the status of the angels. This is what the angels are. And they said, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. So we see that the devil and the temptations of Jesus Christ, the last temptation where he takes them to an exceeding great high mountain, he tells the, the creator himself, again, challenging the order of God, challenging the creator to bow down and worship him. And this is what, what brought about this disorder in the creation of God. This is where iniquity was found in, in Lucifer, in that he challenged the order of God. He, he disturbed, in doing that, he disturbed the order of creation and brought about a chaos. So the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the reason God came to this earth to die upon a cross was to reconcile, and that word reconcile in, in, in the Greek means to bring back to proper order or harmony that which was disturbed or that, that which was, um, what's the word I'm looking for, challenged. Satan challenged the order of God the Father. And it brought about a rebellion. A third part of the angelic host rebelled with Satan, right, and so forth and so on. We see in the Garden of Eden uh, that that Adam chose sides with the devil himself in this rebellion. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing in Scripture is just that God is looking for a children. God's looking for sons and daughters who will choose to worship him, who will understand the love of God. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? So, so he's looking for sons and daughters. So the, the book of Hebrews talks about the order of creation, that, God, that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is the creator of, of the world. And we see the proper status of angels in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 2, we see that the, the redeemed sons and daughters of God, me and you, have a higher status than angels. This is why the devil comes after you. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Look what it says. Look how it ends. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? The heirs of salvation is the sons of God, me and you, through Jesus Christ. Angels are there to minister to us. We have a higher status. 
than they do. And and, and Hebrews chapter 2 declares that. Um, I want you to go to verse 10 just, just so we can see exactly uh, the order of creation. First is, first is Jesus Christ. He is equal to his Father. He is God. He is the creator. But then chapter 2 elevates man, redeem man above the angels, which is an incredible, incredible thing because we are heirs of salvation. This, verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory. That's what Jesus did, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Incredible. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. Hallelujah. Jesus sanctified us, and we are being sanctified by him, and we are all one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. My Lord, Jesus Christ calls us brethren. He says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. And through death that he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the, the, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When we see Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness, in this conflict between good and evil, as Hebrew 1 declares who the Son of God is, the order of creation, that he is preeminent and he is the head of all creation, and in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus declares his son on the earth for, for, for the creation upon the earth to understand who is the head of all creation. The Bible says that, that when Jesus came out of uh, the Jordan River, the heavens opened up and his father spoke, said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice, it's almost the same the same wording we find in, in Hebrews chapter 1 when he speaks to his angelic host concerning who his son is. But now he's making that same declaration here on the earth. So everyone that is in this planet can understand who is the head of all creation. Think about that for a moment. And it is when this declaration is declared that we read in the next chapter that Satan comes to tempt him and to oppose him, again, challenging that status, that order here on the earth. He's basically saying, I am king here on the earth. Right. As a matter of sure. fact, I'll take you to, the, to a high mountain, Jesus, and offer you the kingdoms of this world if you will serve me. Go ahead, Pastor. Mm -hmm. No, in the very in just to um, to what you're saying, the very first thing that Satan does, and the very first words that come out out of his mouth, the Bible says in verse three of chapter four that when the tempter came, he said, "If thou be the Son of God," the very first thing mm -hmm. he does is challenge that what you're, what you're talking about, challenge his authority, his lordship, to try to put it in doubt. Right, uh, and and the, the way he poses the question, that's what he's doing. He's challenging the very Son of God. He says, "If thou be the Son of God," and uh, and we all know what took place. But just just at the beginning, we we see that he comes again. So this is not a one time thing, right? This has happened. Mm -hmm. This happened in the eternal realms before the foundation of the earth. This was the, the transgression, you know, of, 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 of this man, of this fallen angel we call the devil now. 
And and just like he challenges mm-hmm. Jesus, it's the way he comes to the believer, right? <laughs> to yeah. put us in doubt. Are you a son of God? You know? But it, it, it's powerful. As he did to the master, he, 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 he comes to us too in that way, doesn't he? <clears throat> Amen. Interesting, though. Amen. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And we need to learn from the temptation of Jesus Christ. We need to learn about this eternal conflict. You know, this temptation was against Jesus, but Again, as Hebrews 2 tells about it, we've been elevated to a higher right. status than the angels themselves. Oh, we are right. brethren with Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs. Yes. Right? We have this inheritance, too, that, 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 that uh, uh, God gives to his son. Right? We are t- supposed to be bearers of that light. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be the manifestations of of, of of Jesus Christ on the earth. We are his body. Coincidentally, that's what Lucifer meant, his name meant, right? He was a light bearer. Think about that for a moment, right? But now we're given that responsibility, that, that incredible responsibility, right? And, 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 and we fall short of it many times, but by the grace of God, we're being conforming to the image of his dear son. As Jesus is the express image of the Father, we are being conformed into the image of his Son. So that so that through us the Father might be known. So through us the world might see our Heavenly Father. And that's what Matthew five talks about, right? Let your good deeds be shown before man that, that what? That they may give glory to our Heavenly Father. Yes. Amen. So it's so powerful what the Word of God is telling us. And, yes, again, we have to understand that, and we learn from the temptation of Jesus Christ of how the devil comes at us. Right? It wasn't it John, John said, I think it's first John, where he said, Beloved, now are we the, now are we the sons of God. Yes. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Right. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope, the coming of Jesus, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Right? So um, it's incredible, right? And, and later, and later on, he talks about what the the what we the verse we have been quoting uh, for some podcasts now, that he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning, right? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that's verse 8, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's First John chapter 3, we just quoted from. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to say something? Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, uh, also uh, going back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 3, how uh, the author uh, begins by saying, you know, basically he's telling us, he's, he's saying, holy brethren. We are partakers. Mm-hmm. We are partakers of this heavenly calling. And then he tells us to consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, which is Christ Jesus. In other words, yes. he, he's, in, he's telling us, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Look to him as our apostle and high priest, right? And really yes. what he's telling us is, is to look to his faithfulness, right? Uh, he was faithful unto the one who appointed him. Hallelujah. That was the God the Father. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he was faithful unto the one who appointed. And again, going back to what you said, it is the Father, right? Who gave him this son. <laughs> you know, you are the Son of God. You know, uh, right. putting everybody on notice. Hallelujah. The cosmos. That includes the devil himself. Because he speaks about angels knowing, hey, this is my beloved son, after he gets baptized, right in chapter 3 of the book of Matthew, uh, write a voice which says, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. And that's what mm-hmm. the, the Bible is teaching us, is to be faithful and to be fixed, having our eyes on thoughts on Jesus. Right? And then after you, you'll read more, and, and he even warns us against unbelief, right? <laughs> which yes. is what the, this is how the devil uh, attacks us, right? And so forth. But I just think it's powerful because he continues in chapter 3 reminding us as brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on right. Jesus. Amen. 
And, and well, I'll finish off where you left off there in chapter three. Let's put things in order, okay? Because this is what we're seeing in 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 the Gospel of Matthew and, and the things we've been studying. We, we we've talked about again how we see a, a a type of the Exodus being fulfilled in Christ, right? But we also give are given insight into practical things, but the eternal conflict of the ages between good and evil, right? So we see how uh, the exodus is, is, is a preparation for an end-time generation, you know, how to conduct ourselves, how to properly, you know, begin to, to, to uh, prepare ourselves for what's coming, but also it gives us insight into this eternal conflict, right, um, that, that originated and predates mankind, that originated when Lucifer rebelled. And, and and that's so important because this is what it's all about. So when we get to the book of Hebrews, it puts in order these events, right? It's it, We have a conversation, insight into a conversation of, by God the Father to his angelic host concerning um, his son and his status mm-hmm. and that he's equal with himself, right? And and, and then we have in chapter 2 how, how God elevates, redeemed man. Right, because of his son Jesus, who became flesh, right, and died for our sins and, and delivered them through fear of death. Right? We're all their lifetime subject to bondage. He delivered us and he made us brethren. He made us partakers of the heavenly calling, as Hebrews chapter three says. Right? And, and so he, he elevates his son and and his children who have been reconciled through the blood of Jesus, he elevates his son and his new children, me and you. We are those new children, the brethren, right, sons and daughters of God above angels. Think about that, all right? And then when we get to chapter 3, the, the word of God tells us that Moses was a prefigure of Jesus Christ. But that Christ has a, a let's read it. Greater verse honor. One, okay. chap, yeah, a, a chapter three, verse one to verse three. Uh, if you can read it, if you can read it, Pastor. Yes. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful in Him that appointed Him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had built the house hath more honor than the house. Yes. So again, in what we see in Moses, a prefigure of Christ, the, the, the story of Moses and again, we spoke about uh, the 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 uh, how the birth of Jesus is very similar to the birth of Moses in chapter two of Matthew yeah. and in Exodus chapter one. So Moses yeah. prefigures Christ, but that but that he is worthy of more glory. That is Jesus Christ. So that's why we say when we read the book of Matthew, we're we're really reading the fulfillment of the Exodus in Jesus Christ. Right, but understand this: we we have to understand things prophetically. Right, that's why we say Jesus uh, there is fulfilling uh, in type and shadow uh, who Moses prefigured. Right, and that's what the book of Hebrews is all about: it's about types and shadows and so forth and so on. Um, so so what we see in the Exodus is a picture. Of, of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. But it's not only speaking of Christ's day, but it also speaks to us concerning our day and our exodus that is coming. And that's what really Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about when you read it. Let's go ahead and read that it, it, uh, quickly from verse 1. And let's see what the scripture is telling us so that we can understand and put the whole puzzle together. Again, what happened in the Exodus and the temptation of the children of Israel in the wilderness, what happened with Jesus Christ 
in his life and ministry in, in the first four chapters of the book of Matthew, they're all speaking to us of what will transpire at the end of time. But the difference is, in the Exodus, we see a failure. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see the victory. Hallelujah. Amen? In the Exodus, we see the failure. We see the, the we see man, right, in this sinful nature, the frailty of man. Right. But in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word of God, who has conquered the enemy for us. That's powerful. But it also speaks of a day of rest that is coming that we must all enter into. And let's read quickly in Hebrews chapter 4 what the Word of God is telling us. And we're going to try to properly divide it as the Lord guides us so that we can understand how to interpret scripturally prophetically, right? You can go ahead and read there, Pastor. Amen. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us off entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Keep reading. Keep reading. For unto yeah. us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For mm-hmm. we which have believed do enter into a rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Keep reading there. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Now, think about that statement there. The Bible is telling us that God gave us insight into this rest at the beginning on the seventh day, right, when he rested from all his works, the days of creation. There were six days of creation, and, and he rested on the seventh day, which tells us this. There is prophecy hidden in the days of creation and in the final day of rest, that is the seventh day, right? There is prophecy hidden in her that we must study. He left insight in the days of creation and the seventh day of rest concerning the, the eternal unfolding plan of God. He gave us more insight to this revelation, to the knowledge of his will and what he's trying to accomplish when, uh, when he called uh, 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 the children crossing over to Jordan, a type, or the children of Israel in the wilderness crossing over to Jordan, a type of rest. All right? Now, how does that speak to us today? What is the rest we're looking for? What is, where, is, where is that promised land? Which tells us this, that we are looking for an exodus. There is an exodus coming. And we must enter into that rest so, and, and take heed that we don't fall short of that like the children of Israel did in the wilderness in the Old Testament. That we must take heed of how Jesus overcame Satan in the wilderness, in his temptation, so that we can overcome and enter into our rest in our day. Go ahead, Pastor Jeremy. Keep reading, please. Yes. It says, and in this place again, verse 5, if they shall enter into the rest, seeing therefore remaineth into my rest. Yes, if they shall enter into my rest. Verse 6, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us hey, labor therefore. Yes. Verse 11. Let, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Amen. Verse 7, verse seven says, again, he limited a certain day, right? It's basically saying God set another time for entering his rest. Hmm. It's the time of the end. In other words, all you see in the Exodus is a type a shot and shadow of what will happen at the end of time. Right? He, he set another day for that rest, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear this voice, harden not your hearts. Says verse 8, for if Jesus or Joshua, right, when Joshua led the people into the promised land into their rest, for if Joshua had given them rest, or it was that rest was fulfilled in the crossing of Jordan River into the Promised Land, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. But there's, but then he says there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. What he's basically saying is the the fulfillment of that rest did not take place in the days of Moses and Joshua. It was speaking of a day of rest that would come. He says, there remains, therefore, Hallelujah. a rest for an end-time generation. That's why we, we, we say that there is an exodus that is awaiting us, a rest that is, awaits us. Yes. yes. Do you have eyes to see? Do you guys, do you have, you know, uh, eyes to see and ears to hear? Do you see how the scripture is speaking to us prophetically? Yes. That everything that happened in the Old Testament, and in particular in the Exodus, speaks of something prophetic that will take place at the end of time. He limited a certain day. He was really speaking of a certain day in the future. So what we're really seeing in the Old Testament, in the story of the Exodus, of Moses and Joshua, it's really a drama of sequence of events that will relate to an end-time generation. Mm-hmm. And again, in Matthew chapter 4, we see the same thing taking place, but what's different this time is that it is Jesus Christ, the yeah. Son of God, who is tempted but prevails over the enemy through the word of God. Yes. He would answer him, it is written. Amen. Hallelujah. He did not deviate. He did not disobey the commandments of his father. Hallelujah. So we see, we, yeah, in type and shadow, this is what's taking place if we have eyes to see. So, amen. So what you're, so what you're saying is that in the story of Exodus, it was it was meant to declare to us, right, of something mm-hmm. that would take place in the future. That God Correct. that that wasn't the end of all things. That's just it. That was just a God was showing us of what was of what was to come. That there is an appointed day, there is an Correct. ordained day, a determined day that has been already decreed by God that is coming. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, it even helps us to understand even much deeper what, you know, what we keep harping on in 1 Corinthians 10 when Paul says, brethren, do not be ignorant. That's correct. You know, right. To look, to look. And then, you know, what we read, right, that it was left for ad- admonition, for examples, to get to bring forth admonition, right? Uh, admonition of, A you warning. know, that's going to... Yeah. 
of warning of what will happen in the end of time. And, uh, man, this really enlightens, I mean, you know, us, the, the, the listeners, those that are, that are here, to really study these things and see them from mm-hmm. the perspective that God all along was trying to tell us that this day is coming. And, and what you've been talking yeah. about, Brother Fernando, giving us an insight into the uh, war that is taking place, right, from the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it. The war did not <laughs> did not end uh, when Moses died. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we right. see a conflict ensuing even after he dies, right? What we read in the book of Jude of, of the devil asking for what? His body. <laughs> Right, right, and and this is a bitter battle that's gonna really end until Jesus comes. Hallelujah! Yeah, and puts everything yes. in order. Amen. So yeah, it's uh it's powerful what what we're learning in types and shadows. Everything pointing to this day, to this time. Amen. Yeah, Praise he declares God. the end from he declares the end from the beginning. So when we study the days of creation, the seventh day of rest. He's declaring to us his eternal plan through those days, right? That's why that's why uh, the writer of Hebrews, intelligently so, in understanding of, of these principles we're talking about, he declares the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He, he, he takes his reader or challenges his reader to go back to the beginning to understand these truths. Verse 4 of Hebrews 4 says, For he spoke in a certain place. I like how you said that. It's almost like you're telling the reader, you remember you read that in Genesis one time in a certain place where he spoke <laughs> about the seventh day on this wise. Mm. He spoke about rest, and God did uh, rest yeah, yeah. the seventh day from all his works. Go back and study that because in it you'll understand what God is up to and how he is going to fulfill his purpose, his eternal purpose, Right? What is what is that rest now? Well, what is what does the days of creation speak to us about? Well, we 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 spoke about how the Psalms Moses says that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years with the Lord is as one day. Peter quoted that as well, right? One day of creation speaks of a thousand years, right? We have just entered the seven thousand years of human history. What does the book of Revelation tell us is coming? What is our rest? What are we heading towards? We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. And what's going to happen after the coming of the Lord and, and, and God defeats the Antichrist and, 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 and the dragon? A thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. A day, for one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. There awaits a day of rest, a thousand years. The thousand-year reign of Christ, or some call it the millennial, however you call it, it is a thousand years where Christ will reign here on the earth. That's what we're looking towards. That's where we are awaiting. What stands in the way from, from us crossing over into that promised land? Well, what's taking place on the on this earth is that wilderness. What the book of Revelation talks about is that wilderness. Yeah. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, let's go to <laughs> Revelation 15. Basically. You know, the Moses would tell us as we go there, Brother Fernando, in, in, in chapter 90, right, where you quote it from right now, of the, the prayer of Moses where he speaks about a thousand years, you know, in, in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, right? But, yes. you know, he would he, he would teach us something valuable in here. Moses would say, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Amen. Yes. And, and I yes. think, you know, don't let our life be wasted on, <laughs> or encumbered, right, in, in so many things, but on what's eternal, you know, 
Our hearts must be set up to always looking. That's what the prophets, the Abrahams, Moses, and all of them, they looked towards this day, right? There was yes. something there that they understood about the eternal plan unfolding. And how much more us, right? How much more us who who we believe we have entered the end of time should understand and understand that God is wanting to reveal his, he wants his plan to be, it's being unfolded. He wants it to re- reveal it to us, right? Yeah. This is where we have come to the end of time, to the final frontier, to 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 settle this conflict that has been going on for ages. That's incredible. We're getting close to the end of this conflict. Powerful. Just wanted to throw that in as a something to think about. Yeah. And in Revelation 15, we read about when this, this beast system on the earth is judged and and the ones who overcome the beast system, the, the, the saints of God that overcome it, they are going to sing a song. Let's see what song they sing in connection with the Exodus and how how the rest we're looking for. You know, it, 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 in the future, it, 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 it's a Exodus uh, prefigure in our day. It's where we're heading to. It's what the book of Revelation uh, is telling us is going to come to pass. It's just like the Exodus of old. Right? And let's go ahead and read uh, verse 1 um, to verse 3. Yes. Well, and I saw. Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4. Okay. This is uh, Revelation chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that have gotten the victory over the beast (laughs) and over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, Thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Amen. They they were, it says they were, and he saw as it were a sea of glass, it goes to sea, right? mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass interesting right sea of glass Mm -hmm. having the harps Mm -hmm. of god and they sing the song of moses the song of the lamb the passover Mm. which is incredible right it it, it takes us back to the exodus even in verse one Mm-hmm. Brother Fernando, even in verse 1, where it speaks about the last seven plagues, plagues is another yes. key word to take us back, you know, to really, if you study the, if you study, uh, the ten plagues, the, the last sevens do represent the wrath of God, you know, if you right. study them, the first, you know, so that's another um, a word that we can uh, trigger word to take us back to the book of Exodus. And again, it goes back to what we read in Thessalonians, First um, Thessalonians, that we're not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. This is the announcement right. that the last, uh, that, that, that the last judgments of God, which is the wrath of God, is going to be poured out. But then we see a people who have triumphed, 
They're before the Hallelujah. Lord because before the Lord, there's a sea of glass. That's what uh, I think Revelations chapter 4 or 5 speak about, right, mm-hmm. before his throne, which means they're already in his throne before the wrath is poured out. See, a picture of the rapture here, right? They have overcome just in type of shadow, right, as the children of Israel overcame Pharaoh by crossing the Red Sea. Think about that, mm-hmm. right? And Pharaoh being a prefigure of the Antichrist, this beast system that Revelation 15 is talking about, which is so powerful, so powerful, so powerful. But, but I, I'll, I'll close with this, and I, and I pray you go back and listen to this podcast and see what the Lord is revealing to us, um, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. But the Lord in his grace and mercy is so marvelous that he has given us insight through his word, revelation that is continuously unfolding and enlarging itself of what's coming. Listen, church, what is taking place in our day today is not something new. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says, right? Nothing new. Mm -hmm. The enemy is the same. His tactics are the same. That's right. But we are dealing with satanic powers of the likes that we've never seen before. And we see it by the influencing of the minds of men. And in particular, the very elect, God's people, are being deceived. How do we know this, brothers and sisters? Because they're not being prepared. The message of the hour, church, is that there is a rest, a day of rest coming. Hallelujah. That God is going to look down from heaven and see the affliction of his people. And he's going to come down. He's going to visit us. And he's going to take us away. But it's not without trials, without affliction, without persecution. But when we feel we can't do it on our own, the Bible says that those days will be cut short for the very elect. And then we shall see the sign of the coming of the Son of Man in the heavens. And he will come for his people and deliver us. What is your hope on this world? Is your hope in Egypt? Is your hope on the system of this world? It will, everything's being shaken, as the Bible says, right? What will we do when the foundations are shaken? What will we do? What will the righteous do? What will the wise do? We need to look up, church, for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is near. Amen. You know, Brother Fernando, you made me think that how many people today, you know, we learn from the book of Exodus that many of them were overthrown. That's what 1 Corinthians says, in the desert. These are the people that were brought out of Egypt, but they all died in the wilderness, meaning they did not make it to the promised land. And I can just think how many people, maybe there's somebody listening that you find yourself, you know, you feel like giving up and you feel the the attacks of the enemy coming against you, you know, you're feeling the eternal conflict, you know. You're sensing it. But we pray that this word will encourage you to understand that what we learn from the Exodus is that, yes, we learn of those who failed and we can learn from their mistakes, but also understand that God, that we're able, that as Jesus was victorious, what what most of the people could not do in the book of Exodus, Jesus did it. He is our Exodus. He is our rest. He is our promised land. He is. 
And that's what we want to direct you to is to him, to trust Amen. and rest in him, knowing that what you're facing, we must face. The Egyptians did not leave and, you know, were delivered from the from from Egypt and, and, and immediately went into the promised land. No, there's a wilderness that stood in the way. But it has to happen that way. The whole world will be tested and proved. But to you, the proving and the test is the test of your faith and to see if you truly love God. We pray that you've been blessed today as I believe God has given us a little bit more insight onto this conflict and how Jesus won that victory. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue searching and discussing and studying the word of God. Meanwhile, we pray the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, and as always, keep looking up.